Good afternoon, and welcome to the Middle East Forum's webinar and podcast series, Israel Insider with Ashley Perry. I'm Stacey Roman, and I will be moderating this discussion today. We're pleased to have Mr. Ashley Perry, advisor to the Middle East Forum's Israel office, join us here each Wednesday today at 4 p.m. Eastern to update us on all the events going on in Israel. Mr. Perry will be giving us a briefing on current Israeli affairs for 15 minutes, then open it up for questions. Should you wish to ask a question, please use the Q&A box located at the bottom of your screen to type your question. And now, with no further ado, I'll turn the discussion over to Mr. Ashley Perry. Thank you very much, Stacey, and good evening from Israel. Uh, sorry to our American viewers uh, for the mix-up with time. Israel moved its clocks, so while it remains 10 o'clock here, it's now 4 o'clock uh, Eastern Standard Time, so um, there's a little bit of a change, a little bit of a mix-up, but hopefully, um, you know, it, it won't be too long. I'm not sure when um, the Americans uh, change their clock and then we'll be back in line. Um, basically, the news is happening. Uh, you know, it, we, we, we speak a lot about how the fact uh, Israeli politics and what's going on in Israel is extremely dynamic. Uh, things change here by the minute, by the hour. Um, and sometimes I've said something uh, on a webinar which proves differently. I think most of the time I got it right. I hope so. Uh, but sometimes, you know, I say something, um, or I don't know about something, and then half an hour later it happens or whatever it is. Well, I think this is the first time, arguably, where the news is literally happening as we speak. Um, the, the moment that uh, Israeli politics has been talking about, has been waiting for for a while. There's a joke uh, in Israel that uh, during the uh, Jewish festival season, Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur and Sukkot, nothing gets done. Uh, it's, a month, uh, it's a month of celebrations. Um, it's a month of uh, you know, very little work done. So there's a sort of joke in Israel that nothing gets done. So you wait till after the holidays, after the Chagim, Achrei Chagim, if you speak to any politician this or last week, and I've spoken to a few, uh, they basically said to me, after the budget, everything has been focused on this. This is really the moment uh, to see whether the co this coalition, coalition of right, left, center, our parties, unique, historic uh, coalition, unity coalition in every meaning of the word, um, if it remains, or if it's going to fall. If the budget does not pass by the 14th of this month, the coalition automatically falls and we go to immediate elections. That's why it really is the most important moment on the political calendar for a while, because if this passes, it gives a good amount of stability, not complete stability, but a good amount of stability for this government going forward. And there's a good chance it will last uh, a lot longer. Uh, that's why the opposition this week, led by Likud, led by former Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, has really pulled out all the stops. We've had leaked conversations trying to create wedges and gaps between some of the uh, some of the principles here. Leaked recordings of Yelat Shaked uh, talking about Benny Gantz and uh, Yale appeared. We've had leaked recordings of Naftali Bennett talking also about those figures. You know also on, on the eve of his uh, traveling to the climate conference in Glasgow this week. Uh, these are relatively older recordings, sometimes weeks old, sometimes months old, 
obviously been held back just uh, to coordinate as much as possible to try and create some wedges between uh, the coalition. Uh, we've also had a, a relatively vicious campaign uh, against the budget, uh, especially the uh, parts of it which uh, are under the demands of the uh, Ram political party, the, uh, the Arab Islamist party, uh, trying to create this uh, message that some of the budget, some of the Israeli taxpayers' money is going to Hamas, is going to terrorists. Um, there is obviously no substance to that. There has been uh, some connections made with some of the uh, people within Ram to some charities and some organizations which do uh, work uh, in Gaza and trying to show these connections. Uh, as um, Mahmoud, uh, not Mahmoud Abbas, Mansour Abbas said on all the major uh, TV programs yesterday that uh, you know, their work has been checked by all the legal authorities. There's nothing illegal, there's nothing illegitimate, no money goes to Hamas, uh, no money goes to terrorist organizations, but that is the uh, message that's been put out by the, uh, the opposition parties led by uh, Likud. Um, and that's really where they've tried to pull the agenda to, again, to try and pull some uh, distance between perhaps the more right-wing members of the coalition in Yamina or maybe uh, the New Hope party led by Gidon Saar against Ram, uh, trying to create friction. They've pulled out uh, letters from rabbis which demand certain members of the coalition, again, specifically in the Yamina party, which is a national religious party, to try and, say, uh, to try and make a rabbinic uh, uh, sort of... Uh, 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 ruling that you can't vote for this budget. There have been demonstrations uh, calling this blood money, calling this terrorist money. Um, again, Mansour Abbas uh, did the rounds of the uh, Israeli media yesterday, and his major message was, uh, it's ironic that Likud is leading this because they were the first one to bring me in. They were the first one to offer me everything. Uh, they legitimized me. They brought me to the center of Israeli politics. And when they couldn't finalize the deal with me, it suddenly became illegitimate to deal with me. And he threatened that if the incitement continues, he has a lot of proof to show exactly how far uh, Netanyahu himself than he could in general uh, were prepared to go to offer Ram to be in uh, the government. He hinted at uh, some of the things, but he said he has a lot more to give um, if, uh, if the, the incitement level goes uh, up a notch. And it certainly uh, carried on today in the beginning of the discussions on the budget. Today, uh, the Knesset uh, sort of uh, kicked off with um, speeches by the Prime Minister, Naftali Bennett, the alternate Prime Minister and Foreign Minister, Yair Lapid, Finance Minister, Victor Liebman. Then we heard a repost from uh, uh, opposition leader, Benjamin Netanyahu, and finally by the uh, head of the uh, Knesset Finance Com uh, Committee, Alex Kushner. The, the speeches by Lapid and Lieberman, uh, basically they tried as much as possible to talk about the budget itself and talk about the important elements as they see them and what they see as positive, really tried to uh, uh, shut off the, 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 the shouts from the opposition benches and they were pretty harsh, uh, but they basically just put their head down and decided to say what they're going to say. Prime Minister Bennett, on the other hand, a lot of people have talked about this, he decided uh, to go a different route. He really looked prior, former Prime Minister Netanyahu in the eye and told him that uh, he thrives on hate, he thrives on division, 
He thrives on disunity and everything that was legitimate for him is now illegitimate for others in his country. He believes this country can't exist without him, really going at him very, very personally, calling him Bibi, calling him Abu Yair, which is uh, an interesting moniker that was given to uh, Netanyahu by himself and some of his associates when he was trying to outreach to the Arab, uh, the Arab street uh, in Israel. Uh, and Netanyahu gave as good as he can, again, accusing uh, Prime Minister Bennett of lies, accusing him of selling out the country, trying to pick holes in the budget. Really, this was a, a bit of a screaming match uh, between the two. Several MKs had to be uh, uh, taken from the Knesset plenum. A lot of it was well prepared in advance. Everyone knew what they were doing. Um, and then um, finally, uh, Alex Kushner took to the floor and again, really tried to lay into Netanyahu's uh, repost to uh, to Bennett, but it was uh, it was it was very interesting stuff for someone who's fascinated by what goes on in the Knesset. But it certainly didn't do our politics any justice. And the fact that uh, several MKs received physically ejected from the plenum, and all sorts of shouts and tirades and incitement from one side to the other, uh, just shows really um, what what the meaning of what's going on at the moment. Uh, the, 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 the facts are there's going to be over the next day and a half, 780 votes. What that means is basically there's three parts to this uh, budget law. There's going to be, first of all, the budget for 2021. Then there's going to be the arrangements law, which, as I've said, is the details uh, of how the money is going to be spent, because the budget is just the sort of, you know, the, 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 the numbers themselves. And then after that, it's going to be budget for 2022. There are 780 uh, objections uh, to the budget, which have been raised by the opposition. The majority of them are Likud, uh, but there's also some of the other parties in the opposition that have raised some of them, which means every single one of them has to be voted on. So you can imagine, each member of Knesset has to raise their hand or press a button, I would say, 780 times. What the opposition are hoping for is that there's going to be mistakes. We've seen a famous mistake made by the, uh, the, the chairman of the Knesset, Mickey Levy, when he was a bit tired because of filibusters, et cetera, and he voted the wrong way and a law did not pass. He, every single member of the coalition opposition has to vote 780 times, has to know what they're voting on, has to know which way they're voting. And this is going to go into the night and they're hoping that this will end either late tomorrow night or Friday. Uh, they're really, the coalition is trying to hurry it up and try to get it over with as quickly as possible. Um, but basically they're just to show again, the remarkable nature of this lengthy debate. Uh, the coalition opposition sent out, you know, the leaders of the coalition and opposition have sent out directives to their members of Knesset like where uh, loose and comfortable clothing. Don't eat too much. You don't need frequent uh, toilet breaks. Uh, do not bring iPads into the Knesset plenum. Do not be distracted. Uh, and there's even been sort of on the on the jovial side. There's been a competition between the coalition and opposition. Who can bring more candy or sweets uh, to the plenum? Both sides have shown that they went to the local market. They bought chocolates and sweets, candies as much as possible. And there's been a sort of jokey um, competition to see who can have the most because the idea is that's a good snack. You know, it'll give you a sugar buzz in the three or four o'clock in the morning when you're voting on 
the number 255 uh, objection uh, to the law. So everyone needs to uh, be extremely alert. I've spoken with a few MKs. Some of them are, you know, excited to be voting on this. You know, it's three and a half years since the uh, Israeli people have had a budget. So they see that this is a, you know, a, a great moment. Uh, but I'm sure that enthusiasm will wane, will wax and wane uh, throughout the night, throughout tomorrow, as you can imagine, going through each and every one. It's going to be an extremely, extremely tedious affair. And the opposition really is hoping that there'll be mistakes. Uh, one important uh, element that came out uh, quite recently uh, in the last uh, hour is the joint list. Now, the joint list is a very important player in this. Why? Because although they're a part of the opposition, they certainly do not sit comfortably with the leader of the opposition, uh, Netanyahu, or his right-wing religious, uh, uh, you know, largely opposition group. The joint list is a, uh, a, a you know a group of nationalists, communists, or, or secular uh, Arab parties sitting together, and they have decided that apart from their objections, they will not vote at all on the Likud, the Likud's elections now, the majority of the objections are Likud, which means that's significant because there are six members, which means that the opposition can only get to 53 on any one of these votes. So on any of those objections by the Likud, the government or the coalition has a certain amount of leeway. As you can imagine, that can be significant. However, on their objections, they're going to be voting uh, with the opposition. So we've already seen at least one vote come through and it's gone along uh, coalition opposition lines, 59 to 61, which means that any single MK in the coalition doesn't vote for something, uh, the law could not uh, pass. The opposition, as well as trying to catch them out, maybe with tiredness or something like that, is hoping that one of the MKs in the coalition uh, can be persuaded not to vote on some or to cross the aisle or, or what have you. Um, there's been a lot of work, especially, as I said, on the more right-wing uh, elements. So Yom Tov Khalfon, a member of Yamina, has really been pushed as much as possible. Everyone around him has been approached to try and place pressure on him. But, uh, you know, it seems that uh, every party leader in the coalition, as we know, there's a large amount of uh, parties in their disparate parties, have got to keep every single one of their MKs uh, disciplined, awake. And I saw before there's a whole calendar put out by the coalition, which uh, parties are in charge of which votes, which objections, uh, to really make sure that everyone comes Everyone is there for every single vote and everyone votes the way they should. So far, really, this is, you know, uh, straight off the press. So far, there have been, there has been one mistake, but the mistake has been with the opposition, uh, Porush, which is a member of the <coughs> United Torah Judaism, the Ashkenazi ultra-Orthodox party, made a mistake and voted with the coalition. So, so far, the coalition are in a good place. They are confident. Uh, Naftali Bennett said going into the Knesset today that he is, he thinks it'll be 780-0 win for the coalition. That's what they're hoping for. Anything less, there could be trouble, but uh, marathon uh, uh, votes ahead and we will probably know by Friday whether this coalition will be there for the foreseeable future or possibly could be going to elections. But at the moment, it's looking good for the coalition. So with that, I'm happy to answer any questions on that or any other issues. 
All right, thank you so much. So the first question we have in is from Ken Miller. Where does the ultra-Orthodox fit into this budget agreement? If it fails, is there any benefit for them to manipulate a stronger position for themselves? Well, the ultra-Orthodox party, Shas and United to Judaism, are members of uh, uh, Netanyahu's opposition. Um, they're not part of the coalition. They weren't really part of the coalition negotiations over the budget, interestingly, there are two ways that they've already been able to influence. Don't forget the ultra, arguably more than any other sector in Israel, the ultra-Orthodox community is very dependent on the national budget um, for their learning, yeshivot, seminaries, for the jobs in, uh, you know, uh, kashrut and uh, uh, religious services, etc. And this uh, uh, government, is very strong on trying to roll back and reverse some of the uh, gains made by the ultra-Orthodox parties uh, over the last decade and a half, if not longer. What they managed to do is they already managed to get some small wins. Um, when there was going to be a marathon, uh, uh, when there was a marathon discussion in the Knesset Finance Committee, which is supposed to do the preparatory work for the budget, um, they put up, I think, 24,000 objections which were supposed to be discussed and basically after a bit of uh, uh, discussions and agreements and uh, compromises it was agreed that um, the government would give the ultra-orthodox uh, a relatively small sum from what they used to but just to kind of just get it off the table and get it ready for the Knesset plenum which is what happened uh, in the last 24 hours interestingly enough Iran the religious uh, Muslim party the Islamist party has said that it will give 100 million of the money that it's getting from the budget, 100 million shekels, uh, for the ultra-Orthodox party. Now, why that's relevant is because there is this close relationship between the religious uh, Muslim party, the Islamist party, and the uh, ultra-Orthodox parties. They agree on many issues on the conservative level, whether it's uh, on LGBTQ uh, issues, or whether it's uh, surrogacy, or many other issues. Uh, they've been known to work together uh, in the past, and I guess this is to maintain the relationship to ensure that uh, uh, it's, it's, it's clear that the ultra-Orthodox parties will not vote for the budget, uh, and they will vote against it. Uh, they're part of Netanyahu's opposition, uh, but this was a bit of a fake leaf. Um, it's clear that the ultra-Orthodox have been knocking at the door of the coalition. They would love to get in. They need their budgets. They need to be part of the government uh, for their particular agenda. Um, but so far they've been rebuffed and interestingly, you know, a lot of people have been looking to see whether their language would be more conciliatory uh, as they understand that this budget, you know, they've been promised by Netanyahu from the beginning that they will be able to bring down, that he will be able to bring down this government. You know, Netanyahu was pretty sure, told them this government won't last, I will be able to bring it down. Now they understand in the last day or so that the budget is extremely likely to pass, which means that this government is going to be around for a bit, which means that as things stand, they will be in the opposition. Has this modified their behavior? Where well, we saw the leader of the Ashkenazi ultra-Orthodox party, United to Judaism, uh, basically using very harsh language against Prime Minister Bennett. So it doesn't seem at this point that they see any way into the government. Uh, but as every uh, commentator has been suggesting, once the budget passes, we could see movement, whether it's in the Likud, maybe a breakaway group within the Likud, maybe the ultra-Orthodox. It's clear the ultra-Orthodox want in. Uh, 
the main barrier to that is Avigdor Liebman, who's the finance minister, who's a powerful and important part of this coalition, but there are others. Um, but after the budget has been set, um, there is more wiggle room to bring them in because the demands will be lower because the budget will already have been set. Uh, so we'll see what happens with that. But at the moment, the ultra-Orthodox parties are very much part of Netanyahu's opposition. And so far, they're voting uh, absolutely lock in step with uh, Netanyahu against this uh, budget. Understood, thank you. Uh, so the coalition is so diverse. Are the MKs voting just to pass the budget? Or are there any objections MKs will vote for based on ideological lines? No, because the budget, don't forget the budget uh, has been prepared amongst the coalition members. Each party within the coalition has some wins in there, has some achievements in there. Obviously, you know, each party alone would have written a very different budget, you know, the more left-wing elements, something more to their liking, right-wing more to theirs, religious, secular, et cetera, et cetera, the Arab parties. But each one gains. Each one is, you know, this government has to be about compromise. You know, I've spoken to a few players and, you know, they complained that it didn't go far enough to their liking. But that's understood. At this point in the game, um, if you vote against the budget, the coalition simply falls. There's no wiggle room here to be suddenly holier than thou because it quite simply means the end of this coalition. So all the negotiations with the individual parties or individual MKs has already been done. Um, the, the word is that every MK in the coalition is on board. And even if they don't like certain parts of the budget, they're going to vote in favor of it uh, because they will have certain things in the budget that they wouldn't have otherwise. And the idea is to keep the coalition intact. Uh, so the only way to do that is pass the budget. This isn't a time where you can object on ideological grounds because it would mean the end of the coalition, that the stakes are just too high uh, at this point to sort of make a, make a stance. This is really about uh, the, the ability of the coalition to continue. This is the ability of uh, the state of Israel to have its first budget in three and a half years. And there's a lot of enthusiasm for that, even amongst some of the Israeli public who wouldn't necessarily have voted for the parties within because we've been left with a, without a budget for three and a half years. And that's obviously not good for, for growth in the economy uh, and the stability. So uh, I think uh, at this point, it's really just everyone, again, unless there are some big surprises, uh, we'll see as much as possible, uh, you know, votes according to whether then the coalition opposition. Thank you. This question just came in from Steve Waldman. What about Chickley saying he will vote against the budget? Right, so uh, Amichai Shikli has long been known as a rebel uh, member of Knesset for Yamina. He was on the Yamina list, which is uh, Naftali part, uh, Bennett's party. Uh, but from the beginning, he said that uh, he was not in favor of joining the coalition. He voted against the government when it was uh, 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 voted in, sworn in. Uh, so they haven't been relying on him. There was some hope at one point he would at least abstain, uh, but it's clear he's decided uh, a while ago to go across. Um, it remains to be seen exactly what will happen with him because uh, Yamina could uh, officially designate him a rebel MK, which means they he's no longer a member of their faction. And that means that he will not be able to run on any existing party list for the next elections. That's a way to prevent another party. I don't know if you'd use the word bribing, but you know, sort of uh, enticing an MK to vote uh, against their party. 
Uh, but obviously he can form his own party list or join a new party list, uh, but he can't join the Likud, which it seems uh, is the direction he's going, but they're not relying on him. He's not part of that 61. Uh, with him would have been a nice comfortable 62, um, but, that's, uh, but that's been out of the question uh, for a while. Understood, thank you. Uh, from Goldie, is there a plan as to where the money will be coming from to cover the projected budget? Um, all different places, like, like any budget, there's, I mean, there's really a whole long list of, there's, there's, a, there's a balance sheet of incomings and outgoings. Uh, Avito Liebman, the finance minister, has been very big on saying that there's no uh, taxes, there's no new taxes, there's new, or not no new tech, no uh, tax increases. And there haven't been. Some have said that a tax on disposable, uh, you know, foodware um, is a tax. And, you know, it's claimed that it targets the ultra-Orthodox community because they have larger families and they use it more. It was the largest consumer of um, single-use uh, uh, plastic foodware in the world. Um, and this was seen as an environmental issue. But that's why they've uh, massively raised the taxes, but the ultra-Orthodox community have seen this as something that unfairly uh, targets them. Also on uh, this being uh, another, on more health issues, to tax uh, sugary drinks, like Coke uh, and all those sort of drinks. And again, that's something the ultra-Orthodox have claimed that that's unfairly targeting them. <laughs> and they say, in general, it targets the lower socioeconomic levels. Um, so... While there haven't been any overt taxes or tax increases, there have been taxes on items uh, like those. Um, so those are some of the ways that they're going to make money. There's, it's, it's, as I said, it's, it's uh, I think it was something like 400 page uh, budget. So it'd be very difficult for me to go into all the details where the money's coming in, where the money's going out, but uh, it's, a, it's a convoluted system. Uh, but uh, it, it's, you know, it's, it's balancing the books, it's actually, lowering the deficit uh, to something approaching um, pre-COVID levels, because obviously like every other every country, you know, there was massive spending and massive losses during COVID. So, uh, you know, they, they tried to make sure that they didn't uh, uh, dig into the deficit any further and, and try to reduce it a little bit. It's not to pre-COVID levels, uh, but it's certainly uh, in that direction. Yeah, that sounds great. Uh, Len Getz asks, is there a consensus in the government to reject a separate U.S. consulate for Palestinian Arabs in Jerusalem? Uh, yes, uh, we talked about that uh, a little bit, and uh, it's going to get a lot more heated once the budget, if the budget passes, once the budget passes, um, because they've tried to put off uh, contentious issues, and the Americans have understood that. Um, but uh, pretty much, I mean, you know, obviously some of the more left-wing elements are not against it, but from the center to the right, and even the center left uh, in the coalition are pretty against it, or the major players are against it in the, in the coalition. Um, so it remains to be seen how much pressure the Americans will put uh, on Israel after the budget uh, passes. Thank you. And Murray Feldman asks, is Benny Gantz aware that Israel might be Biden's plan B against Iran if the JCPOA agreements fail? Can you repeat that? Is Benny, does Benny Gantz know that Israel is America's plan B? Yes. Um, I don't really understand the question. Israel has, I mean, if, if I understand it correctly, Israel 
Israel's not going to be used as a plan B for anyone. Israel has a plan A, B, and C. Israel has been preparing. Um, Israel has budgeted <coughs> for all sorts of contingencies and is preparing. Had a very impressive international uh, air force uh, maneuvers uh, over the last week with um, air forces from around the world. There was all these maneuvers, including not together, but including the Saudis, even the Americans and, and other uh, countries to sort of send a message that we have the capability uh, to do what's necessary if negotiations fall. Uh, so I don't think it's, uh, it's you know, it, it's not that uh, Israel is going to be used as anyone's uh, second uh, plan or plan B. Israel is going to take its own interests uh, if it believes that Iran is close to nuclear weapons capability and has the opportunity to stop it, uh, then those will be made internally. Obviously, they will be discussed with uh, the US, but Israel has shown in the past that if it believes its existence is being threatened, it will take the, the necessary steps to prevent that. Understood. Uh, from Richard Hellman. Does the U.S. Commerce Department's actions against two Israeli companies relate to such other issues as Israel's designation of six NGOs related to the PFLP as terrorist organizations? I don't believe I don't believe that the two issues are connected. I think the two issues are separate. Um, yeah, the the NSO affair, which the, uh, the question is referring to, is something which has been going on for a while. I think it's very specific about that. I think that. The six uh, Palestinian NGOs that have been designated as uh, part of the PFLP, a terrorist organization, part of their orbit has been described by Israel as a separate issue. Uh, I don't believe uh, personally that the, the two issues are connected. All right. Well, that brings us perfectly to the half hour. Uh, we've come to the close of our webinar and podcast. Ashley, thank you again for taking time to update sure. us this week. And for our viewers in the U.S., we will be back to our regular time next week when we turn back the clocks. Uh, also, for our viewers and listeners, please join us Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern for a webinar with Richard Goldberg on the state of Iran's nuclear program. Thank you all for joining us, and I hope you have a great day.